Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello, it's Ayers on the Road. We are so happy to be with you today. We are actually not where we usually are. We are in Hawaii. I'm so sorry to say that because I know a lot of you would like to be here with us. But we have two families living here, and so we have to be here, right? It's the only only city in the world where we have two of our nine children living in the same city. It happens to be a very small city called Makawao. Isn't that a great name, Makawao? Makawao. It's upcountry, rodeo country. It is so fun. We're out here looking at horses and chickens. Well, you can look at chickens and roosters everywhere all over Hawaii. <laughs> so those, for those of you who've been there, we're on Maui. And um, it has been fabulous to feel that warm sun and to really enjoy seeing our kids who we haven't seen for a long time. Some of you who are long-term listeners to ours on the road know that we, we try to come here. We have a little house that our we own with our son a little separate house and it's just like Linda says it's not the beach Hawaii it's the upcountry Hawaii partway up Haleakala the great volcano but only 10 minutes to the beach and we get a lot of work done here we get a lot of our writing done here one thing about being writers or authors sometimes you get more work done when you're not at home because you're away from distractions and you can really work. You might also remember, if you were listening last year at this time, that there's a lot of chickens around here and roosters. So if you hear, and horses, so if you hear a loud neigh sound or a loud <laughs> cockadoodle do. And a lot of birds and a lot of things like that <laughs> that we don't really hear at home, uh, even if they're there. And we can't do anything about it because they're just all around us. And well. well the insulation's not really good here, and you can't block out sound. So right. just take it as part of the ambiance of the show if you hear a couple. Of, now that I've said that, I almost hope we do hear a few roosters. Right. <laughs> They're going day and night all the time, but we've learned to just sleep through it. I do have to say that it is not easy to come to Hawaii. For those of you who are just thinking, hey, maybe I'll jump on the plane and go to Hawaii. Oh, my goodness. Whoa, it is a lot of paperwork. And um, getting COVID tested and getting the results in just the right form and getting them sent over in just the right way. And oh my goodness, going to just the right place for the test and going just the right, um, do the just right, just the right things. It is really wild and and good for Hawaii because COVID is so low here. I think they have 20 cases on the whole island. (laughs) I know, that's so awesome. I mean, they're worried. I think they had a little jump from five. But everyone wears a mask. Yeah, still, everyone wears a mask. I was Linda at Costco, was at Costco yesterday. yesterday. No one goes anywhere without a mask. And, and the kids are out of school. They're, they have one day a week when they can go to school, and it's a rotating uh, day. So it is worldwide. It's literally worldwide. Yeah, it really is. So, Linda, we... we uh, we got partway into our discussion of, well, not a discussion, we're telling stories. That's, a, that's what Iris on the Road's all about lately. In fact, we should call it <clears throat> Iris on the Story or something. But we got started telling stories about some of the men we admire most, some of the people we admire most from a spiritual standpoint. And we called it 
prophet stories, and we didn't get through all of them we wanted to talk about. So we're going to pick up on that again. And I think, Linda, we should concentrate this week on experiences we had with some great religious leaders. We call them prophets because we believe they are literally in contact with God. And I thought we would focus on some experiences we had while we were in London. We were there as what's called mission president and mission leaders. And we had, over the course of three years, almost 600 young men and women. We actually love telling people not of our faith about this missionary system and how amazing it is and how 19 and 20-year-olds now and now 18-year-olds come for two years voluntarily, 18 months for women, two years for men, and go wherever they're sent and live a Spartan life dedicated to serving other people, doing humanitarian service, teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a great experience that was to be with those young missionaries for those three years. And it led to several remarkable experiences with these great prophets who lead our church. I think that we were so lucky to live in London because people always want to come through London no matter where they're going. And I think we saw most of the apostles when we were there. Um, Sometimes we were in charge of picking them up and taking care of them and sometimes not. Um, But we did have a remarkable experience with the Kimballs. Um, Before we get to to President Kimball, Spencer W. Kimball, a giant of a man who stood about five foot four. <laughs> right. Oh, such a dear man. But before we get to him, let's let's talk about a couple of humorous. Well, one humorous one that I sure remember. There's a church leader in our church named Mark E. Peterson. Can some of you remember him? If you're listening, you may have to be a little older to remember what a great person he was and. He came to visit. As you said, Linda, there's 12 apostles in our church. They all came while we were there at one time or another, and we had such great experiences with them. And This one's a little embarrassing. Do you want to tell it? Because it's on me. No, because you were in the car, and I was not there. (laughs) You better tell it. But you've laughed at me so many times for this. (laughs) So we'd only been in London for um, less than a month. And we got a call that Marky Peterson, this apostle in our church, was coming. Revered, wonderful um, theologist. Theologian. (laughs) Theologian. That's what I'm looking for. And we knew he'd be uh, spending some time with us, and we were to pick him up. But he was staying in a hotel in London. We lived in a lovely little town south of London called Epsom. You ought to tell a little about Epsom just to paint the background. Well, it actually comes <coughs> actually comes from Epsom salts. Um, that's where the Epsom salts uh, began. For those of you older people who have heard about Epsom salts, it's a soaking, a salt that you can soak in. It's supposed to heal all your ailments. But it um, it's a lovely place. It's a, such a beautiful country. Where the Derby is held every And year. it's where the Derby is held, which you may not know. Uh, it is a horse race, the second most famous horse race. More the, famous, I think, England. than the Kentucky Derby. Well, for, for Derby. British. See, for the they British, say Derby. For, sure. 
Darby, yeah. And we'd um, wake up every morning to this clip-clopping of hoofs as the horses went up to the practice track. It was so lovely, birds singing, and it was just a gorgeous place. Anyway, we lived there, which is about 20 minutes south of London, and, and Marky Peterson was going to stay in London, but I was to pick him up at Heathrow and take him to his hotel. So I did. I picked him up, and we were having a wonderful conversation as we drove into London, and I thought I knew where the hotel was, where he was staying. I'd done some, I'd looked at maps. This was before the time of GPS, and I thought I knew where it was. And I was trying to carry on a conversation with him while we drove around, and I was trying to pretend well, like I knew where I was. I have to interject here that you were just learning to drive on the wrong side of the road. I mean, I, I, they get mad when they hear me say that in, in England, but, but it is, you have to drive on the other side of the road that you're used to as well as go through thousands of traffic patterns and uh, bridges and all these things that are so difficult so um with that start go ahead well so what happened is that i just kept trying to carry on this conversation and hoping i'd see something familiar and that i could get back on the track and actually you know find him and see where he was where his hotel was but I was really lost, and I. But and he was great. He was just. We were having a great conversation about lots of things, and he never indicated that he had any idea that I was lost. About half an hour, and we pulled up to a to a uh, uh, to a stop sign or to a. They don't have really traffic lights there, but it was kind of like a. Well, they do. They and lights. and he and he for the first time got serious, looked over and said, "President Iyer, there's a taxi stand right up there. Let me just jump out. I've just got a small bag, and I'm sure he'll be able to take me right to the hotel." <laughs> <laughs> and I realized later in the days ahead, as we talked, that he had he had he had realized that I. Oh, in fact, he said. You, I don't know if you know it, but you've driven around in a circle now three times. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a dear man. I, I mean, he was so great. He, he so hated to embarrass me. He was just kind of hoping I'd find his hotel. And we, we realized later that he'd lived in, in London for three years, and he knew exactly where he was. <laughs> yeah. He had a very good idea that you were lost for a long time before you realized you were lost. Now let us I tell think you, you were panicked. I think you knew you were lost. Anyway, go ahead. Let us tell you and chip in on this one, Linda, but you weren't you were not in the car at this time, but we've talked about this so much. This is an experience with Gordon B. Hinckley. And at that time he was one of the apostles. He later, of course, as you many of you listeners know, became the prophet of the of our church for twelve years. And uh, a remarkable man on every single level. And this little story taught me something that I've never forgotten. We were driving together, just he and I, after a conference we had attended, on a dark motorway heading back to Logan. It was late, back to London. It was late at night. And um, we were just talking freely. And and, uh, he was so generous and so complimentary and so kind and he made a comment about how well he thought our mission was doing and the number of converts we'd had he said was outstanding and so on and 
And I, it was late, and I was, I, I was just sort of reacting naturally. And I said, well, you know, it sure doesn't seem like we're making much progress, Elder Hinckley. I mean, there's over 10 million people just in our mission boundaries. And, and you know, if we have a good, a good year, we baptize just a tiny, tiny fraction of 1% of those people. It just seems like it's such a big challenge and we're just not meeting it I was a little discouraged and and in the dark of the car I couldn't see him but I heard his he had a wonderful little chuckle kind of a a, and a, a graceful little laugh a graceful little chuckle and I heard that and I I wondered how he was reacting to what I'd said and then he said something I'll never forget he said President Iyer don't ever make the mistake of thinking that the LDS Church is the only tool the Lord has. I, I'm not sure those were his exact. I wish I'd written down his exact words, but the the inference, the the message was clear. Don't ever think that the God in heaven has only one way of influencing people, or only works through one faith or only works through one channel. In other words, he was saying, you're not the only game in town. The missionaries here that try to help people to understand Christ are not the only way that the Lord works. And I thought, wow, that's such, I, I, I reflected later over time on how amazing uh, it was that he had that perspective and wanted to share that with me Yes, we believe in this church. Yes, we believe in what the work we're doing, but we're not the only way the Lord works. Yeah, and I love that too. And since then, we have met so many marvelous people who are not members of our church, who we wish we were more like, because they have some deep insights and some fabulous um, ideas. And we're learning that more and more as we get older. And we're so amazed that he knew that before we did. And he taught us that in such a powerful way. Let's take a brief break, Linda. And when we come back, we want to tell you maybe our, you referenced it earlier, our, our favorite prophet story of all time because of the message it gave us about relationships and about family and about the priorities of life. And it's a story about Spencer W. Kimball, this small man who was such a giant spiritually. And we'll be right after, right back after this brief break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about our fun experiences with these beautiful people called prophets, and they've passed on now. Um, we have had some interesting experiences with present-day prophets, but we're not going to include that. Um, we are just ta- talking about these magnificent men and their wives. I do have to say that what a pleasure it was to be in a car. We went to a state conference with President and Sister Hinckley. Marjorie Hinckley is one of the most magnificent people on earth. She was so wonderful to to bask in in her knowledge and her goodness, and just she just had a light that was incredible. And it was so fun to be with her in that car. And I the only regret is, and shoot, 
my <laughs> my New Year's word words this year that I'm causing around is no regrets because I always think, oh, why didn't I do that? But in this case, I do have to say, why didn't Linda I take notes? Linda is a second notes? guesser. Why didn't I take notes on what she said? Because I was so thrilled with what she said. Well, and you make such a good point, Linda, that when we say prophets, we, we believe so strongly that that it's a it's a family, it's a marriage, it's a it's a oneness between a man and a woman, and we have many wonderful female leaders in the church too. But these couple leaders, and it's interesting now that uh, when when we were doing this mission, we were called I was called the mission president. You were called the wife of the mission, <laughs> of the president. mission president, and that, that didn't work too well. We always referred to ourselves as the mission presidents. <laughs> Well, you but did, now. but and I didn't care because I, I had a bunch of little kids. I was just a mother and um, supporter at that time. But we, I did support a lot of missionaries, and so now we are we are so happy they've changed the name to mission leaders, mission leaders for both, both husband and wife. And, and so many of these great prophets, as we say, are really it's them and their it's a couple. That, are, that work together on so many levels. And I should say that we did go with four little kids, and our oldest was not quite five. And um, so, and we had two babies while we were there, so that's why I was saying I was really busy with kids. But it was such a marvelous experience for me as a young mother. I wish more young mothers, I wish they would call more young couples so young mothers could experience that because it was truly a thrill. I didn't have to miss any weddings or any babies that were at home in America. I they were all with us. So here's the uh, the concluding prophet story we want to tell you today. Um, we had, as, as Linda mentioned earlier, all twelve of the apostles in our church had visited us while we were there in England, but we had not had a visit from the president of the church, who we call the prophet. Spencer W. Kimball at the time and didn't think he was going to come but fairly late in our mission term there of three years one night the phone rang and I answered it and it was this wonderful wonderful man that we got to know more later named Arthur Haycock he was the the, the secretary the executive secretary to the prophet to Spencer W. Kimball he also had a wonderful sense of humor and he called, and, and it was late at night, and he said, President Iyer, um, the prophet is coming to England tomorrow, and he'll be on his way to some European destinations, but he'll be staying over in London for the night. I know it's short notice, but could we possibly impose on you to meet our plane and take us to our hotel? <laughs> and of course... We were so deeply honored, and I laughed and said, of course, we can't wait to see you. And I hung up, the. he gave me the flight and the time, and I hung up the phone. And I think you were listening in, Linda, and you probably were horror-struck by my next thought. Because I, I thought, well, you know. By your next he's, call. Yeah, he's only going to be here for a little while. How can we show this wonderful man not only our love, but the love of, of all the British Saints, the British members of the church, and I just acted on impulse, which was not a good idea. I called a man named Lord Grade, who is kind of a impresario, kind of he was sort of the British Cecil B. DeMille. He he made wonderful movies, including Chariots of Fire and 
other great epic films. And I had gotten to know him through a kind of a chance encounter a little bit. I knew him well enough to call and I said, Lord Grade, uh, he's a lord in the British peerage, of course. I said, I don't know if you've ever heard of the leader of our church. His name's Spencer Kimball, and he's coming in tomorrow. And I've just got this old van we drive around in and this, this sedan. I'm just wondering if possibly we could borrow your limousine just to pick him up, to give him a comfortable ride from Heathrow Airport to, to his hotel. And um, <laughs> this wonderful man, Lord Grade, said, well, I actually do know who Spencer Kimball is. I admire him, and I'd be happy to send a, a limousine for you to use for the evening with a chauffeur. Which one would you like? And I'm like, what, which one would I? He said, well, I have several. I, <laughs> and I, I was a little befuddled. He said, don't worry, I'll, I'll send a nice one. Well... Then I started to worry. I mean, here's this wonderful, humble man, Spencer Kimball. We're going to pick him up in a limo, which is going to be a little out of step. And, and now I don't even know which one is, is being sent. Well, it got worse because the next evening, as we were waiting to go, a car pulled up in front of the mission office that was so enormous, Linda, I've never seen another car like it. It was a Rolls-Royce limo that must have been... 30 feet long. It kind of blocked out the light in the mission. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? This this is not appropriate, you know. And I went out and there was a a young man, a chauffeur with his cap and his uniform on. And it was too, too late to turn back. So you were there. We both got in the car and we drove, we headed for Heathrow Airport and, uh, we were sitting way in the back. I mean, it was a long way from the back seat back to where we were sitting, and we were wondering, oh boy, what are we going to do when President Kimball says, could I have a quick look at the mission budget? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But uh, we got there, and, and uh, so many interesting things. I won't bother you with details, but when you drive a 35-foot limo, you can park wherever you want. And he pulled right up in front of the door, of the of the the entrance where the gates would come out from Heathrow, and he said, "I'll wait here," and we went in and we we went toward uh, the gate where we were going to meet President Kimball and Arthur Haycock, and there they were, coming off the plane. But it was late. I remember it was delayed. How long did we wait? It seems like an hour. Oh, or more. you know how those planes are. Yeah, it was about an. It was a long time. And so, uh, but now I want to get to the point that really makes the point about family and about relationships and so on, and about humor and about grace. We met him there, and he, President Kimball came off the plane, and he was carrying one of those old-fashioned briefcases that opens at the top, and the hasp was broken, and it was kind of hanging open, and some of the papers were were sticking out of it, and I thought, gee, I need to do something to help with that. But Arthur Haycock, this marvelous secretary of his was a step ahead of me and he pulled off his belt and wrapped it around this this briefcase of President Kimball's and cinched it up and got it secure and handed the briefcase back to President Kimball and I'll never forget with a twinkle in his eye this wonderful prophet looked at Arthur and in a laughing voice said well thank you Arthur but are you sure we don't now have a more serious problem? 
<laughs> there was Arthur kind of holding on to his oh my pant, under his trousers. <laughs> Can you imagine a, a man that age to start out with, but a prophet? Having that kind of sense of humor in the middle of the night, it was about 2 a.m. Yeah. And then yeah. do you remember he invited us to come into his hotel room? Because I don't know what time it was his time, but oh, yeah. anyway. Just to visit with him a little said, longer. come in and just sit down. 87 years old, I think. Oh, Jet lagged with that kind of a so sense of humor. Incredible. It was just amazing. But here's the great, let's go on with this because it yeah. gets better. We went down the concourse, came around a bend, and by pure chance or circumstance, there were 12 LDS missionaries waiting for a flight that was delayed standing at a gate. Imagine being one of them and looking up and seeing the prophet of your church walking toward them. And we were walking along there with President Kimball. He saw those missionaries and he took off like a beeline. He went straight for them. And he gave, he didn't shake their hand. He gave every one of them a big bear hug. And those missionaries were crying. <laughs> they were sort of in the twilight zone. Yeah. It was like, wait, this is the prophet in Heathrow, and he's hugging us. <laughs> <laughs> but the grace with which he did that and the love that he showed for those missionaries was so amazing. Anyway, I'm hurrying to get to the point of the story. We, we finally come out of the concourse. There's the limo. I'm waiting, oh, what is he going to say? There's going to be some kind of a comment here. He didn't say anything, President Kimball. He, he just opened, Arthur Haycock opened the door, and they got into this limo, and they walked. It took a ways. They had to walk back to the seat and sat down. I sat up in the front with the... Um, with the limo driver and we went off down the motorway and I thought wow he didn't say anything maybe he's so tired he didn't notice the car <laughs> well here's the point we got part way toward London and I heard something and I looked back and there was this wonderful 86 or 87 year old prophet standing up and walking up toward the front seat of the car and I thought oh boy here comes the question about the mission budget <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. Here's this is what was amazing. He didn't go to me. He walked up to the other side of the car and put his hand on the shoulder of the chauffeur. Now you need to know in London, people don't talk to chauffeurs. They're part of the car. They're part of the vehicle. They're part of the deal. Well, President Kimball put his hand on the shoulder of this person, and I'll never forget what he said. And I've reflected on this so many times since. He said, young man, our flight was very late. I'm so sorry if this is keeping you away from your family. And I thought, wow, I'm thinking about impressions. I'm thinking about the car. I'm thinking about what a mistake I made to get it. I'm having all these thoughts. President Spencer W. Kimball sees a young man, assumes he's a father, assumes he's a husband, knows it's late at night and his mind is not on the car or on the impressions or on anything else his mind is on the family and on the fact that his late flight has inconvenienced this chauffeur and I hope we're not keeping you away from your family tonight and I just what a lesson to think about what really matters is family and relationships and priorities 
We've talked about that so many times. We have, and not only that, but partnerships. I have to bring it back to President Kimball's beautiful wife, Camilla. Oh, yeah, they were. Camilla so Kimball, and I, in 2018, the Today Show actually quoted her. That was years after she died. Yeah. They still quoted her. She said, you do not find the happy life. You make it. And then in big letters in the Today Show in front of Hoda and Kathy Lee, it said, never suppress a generous thought. And yeah. I love that. That she was coming up, she wrote her own book, she coming up with things like that all the time. What a and a woman of constant learning, it said. It is really amazing. She was incredible. Absolutely. So what's the bottom line here? The bottom line of these profit stories we've been trying to tell you over the last two weeks is not... It, it's it's the family. It's relationships. That's what they focused on. That's what we should focus on. May we all remember that that is the bottom line message. What matters is family and relationships. Remember that, and good luck. We'll see you again next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.